0: Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. My name is Sylvan, and I will be your host. Today, we're heading west to visit outer space, or better said, a startup that works in outer space called Swiss to 12. The Swiss startup builds high-quality and lightweight radio frequency components that are used in space or on airplanes. We arrive in Renon, close to Lausanne at swiss 12's headquarters. Once you enter their building, you realize that it's a mix between offices and the production facility. On your left, you find several multi-person offices and meeting rooms, which, though they look nice, are clearly built to get the job done and not to be showrooms for fancy chairs or other gadgets. On your right, you can enter the production facilities with several 3D printers, a workshop and a research and development area. To see the 3D printers in action and observe how antennas for space are actually produced is stunning. Depending on the client, they get made either from aluminium or from synthetic materials. And it can take anywhere from a couple hours to several days to print their components. But now we want to know more about the company and the story behind Swiss212. And that's why we're meeting with co-founder and CEO Emile De Eyck and Swisscom Ventures investment partner Perlange. Swisscom Ventures is the venture capital arm of Swisscom, the leading telecommunications and IT services provider in Switzerland. Since their inception in 2007, Swisscom Ventures has invested in over 60 Swiss and international tech startups that foster digital transformation. If you're an entrepreneur building a product that drives the digitalization in a certain market and you're looking for capital, then reach out to the Swisscom Ventures team at www.venture.swisscom.com. Emil and Pierre, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Good to be here. I would like to start with the first question right away to you, Emil. uh, Your company is called Swiss212. Not a very common business name, as you would expect from the startup world. How did you come up with that name? and Is there any meaning behind it?
1: It better have a meaning. (laughs) Otherwise, it would be really interesting. So, yes, there's a story behind it. Uh, When we originally founded uh, the company, um, we were focused on making... um, antennas, uh, mostly for scientific instrumentation applications. And uh, our products were machined a bit like a precision watch and and built up out of a lot of uh, very accurately uh, cut pieces. So we wanted to keep the Swiss into the name to highlight the precision. Um, And these antennas were carrying over uh, so-called terahertz signals. Uh, And terahertz is 10 to the power of 12 hertz, hence the Swiss to the power of 12. Uh, now the the name has a story, but uh, our business has evolved to a different direction now. But uh, people remember the name through the story. I think
0: that's a beautiful story. You started your company basically out of your PhD research at the EPFL in Lausanne. Can you tell us a bit how you actually put you know your research into a suitable business afterwards? How did you make that happen?
1: So the story behind the foundation is is a bit. Um, it came by luck, so it was not the original goal to start a company. But during my PhD, uh, we were approached by a customer who actually was interested in buying uh, what was being developed. Uh, and this kind of sp- sparked the, the initiative to start the company. Uh, of course, there have been many steps since then to build it into the business it is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was no master plan to start a company initially. It, it came out of uh, yeah, sequential events that triggered the decision.
0: So it was really driven by this commercial interest of that client. In what way has the university also supported you in, in that endeavor? Because I can imagine, you know, having the research and probably also patents behind it as you have. Um, this is an important step to also have the the EPFL on board if you want to pursue in in such a direction.
1: Yes, and the EPFL has been very supportive of the initiative. They, they in general, are very supportive of of spin-offs and of entrepreneurial activity coming from the university. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had all sorts of coaching, grant supports. Uh, We we were able to secure uh, an exclusive license to the IP, which was developed during my time at the university and that is now utilized by the company. So um, it it all went well. (laughs) Sounds great. I would like to zoom
0: out a bit and ask you, Pear, to go into a macro level perspective. There we always have a nonstop growth of more data that is uh, basically transmitted through the world, mainly driven by the internet. And what does that mean? So where's the world basically going in, in a macro level perspective, and why is Swiss to 12 relevant in that scenario from your perspective?
2: Well, I, I think, I mean, the satellite business has been around for a long time, and then satellite has, has been transmitting, you know, mostly uh, uh, TV signals, or, or to a certain extent, uh, telephone calls. Mm-hmm. But as as the world has evolved, um, data transmission is, is is everything, even in the mobile networks, you know, it's not voice anymore in the mobile networks, it's, it's data, and the same thing goes for satellites. Now. Uh, what makes Swiss212 relevant is that uh, we see a new sort of wave of, of satellites that are smaller, cheaper, and and uh, to some extent also flying lower. So so with a company like Swiss212, uh, their market is, is uh, basically uh, very well uh, suited. The, the company is very suited to the new market with the smaller satellites and the more uh, sort of mass deployment
0: of satellites in the world. And additionally to that, there are also other areas where you can actually apply the technology of Swiss 212, for example, for airplane communications, right?
2: Yes, I mean, I think... Um, not, these sort of antennas or, 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 or waveguides, they're applicable in the whole sort of uh, aerospace industry. so. Uh, as you see behind me here it's a, it's an antenna for, um, for internet communication from airplanes but you also have uh, uh, a range of applications for, for uh, uh, sort of ground transmission as well. Mm-hmm. but I think the the high value uh, pieces that you can sell for a higher
0: price are clearly in, in the satellite uh, business. so that's also the attractive market then yes. from an investor perspective exactly. Emil, when you actually started out and you got this commercial interest from the first potential client, you first basically also had to address or solve a problem. Can you walk us a bit about you know how you went from identifying the problem that was worth solving, mm-hmm. and then also developed the solution uh, that actually solved the problem and that was appealing to the potential client?
1: Yes. So. We were a company that essentially started with technology, but not necessarily the right market to, to run after. Uh, and in a way, our first clients, uh, they did us the favor of, of waking us up to start this, but it, they also lured us into the wrong direction in terms of market. So initial commercial activity was around uh, scientific instrumentations, so components for all sorts of scanners or... Um, even radio astronomy uh, applications, so essentially looking at galaxies and things like that. Um, so it took a while to figure out what was the first real commercial market with good expansion uh capabilities. And we came to that conclusion in 2015 uh, when essentially making our way through the telecommunication through space market, meeting the right stakeholders and coming to the conclusion that we are of value there. Uh, And now why are we of value there? That's because um, through the novel manufacturing technologies we've developed to build uh, antenna systems. Uh, So these technologies are based on 3D printing, which is very different from the state of the art where pieces are essentially cut out of metal using more traditional techniques. Um, We're able to uh, greatly lower the weight of such systems while also enabling um, very new designs to those systems. And this is a world where if you can Free up the design space of antennas, you can come up with products that simply enable higher data throughput for satellites and thereby have a direct impact on uh, profitability and the business plan of the telecommunication operators who then use our products to sell uh, data connectivity to users on the ground. Mm-hmm.
0: Can you are there also like any specific numbers that you can share? Like are you ten times lighter than the regular antennas or any of these yes, metrics? So, um, it-
1: it's, of course, a complex question because uh, you cannot boil it down to such a simple figure when you, you make different kinds of satellites for different kinds of customers. But we, we can see anything between a twofold to a five-fold reduction in weight. And this is extremely relevant in an industry where for every kilogram you put on a satellite, you will pay about 10,000 Swiss francs to just launch it, um, not to say that every kilo you take out of a system is a kilo you have again available to put more capability on board the satellite um yeah so these are the kind of weight reduction metrics we're looking at then in terms of absolute performance of the satellites it varies a lot from a mission to another uh but you can you can easily reach um, a doubling of capacity of a certain uh telecom repeater or data delivery service if you if you do it well and if you go uh to using the full potential of the technology,
0: right? And I can imagine when you actually built Swiss to Twelve with your team, you also faced some challenges. One we already heard about tackling the right market. Mm-hmm. I would like to talk about that moment uh, a bit longer. How did he actually go about switching the market? You know, were you actively looking for other markets, or did he realize that the first customer that was luring you in the in the wrong direction? was not the right market for you and how did you go about this and how did you identify that it's time for a switch?
1: So it took a little bit of time to realize and accept we were starting with the wrong market, but that came pretty quickly. Then it was more about, okay, how do we identify other avenues? Uh, And we looked at plenty of things. Uh, We looked at uh, automotive, mobile networks, um, satellite communications. And what really triggered the interest in satellite communications were uh, mostly interactions with the European Space Agency um, who have a great amount of experts who know this industry uh, like their pocket, and uh, who essentially met us and said, "Guys, you can, you have to focus on this industry. This is not possible to continue with uh, by uh, and ignore it." So, uh, and they've walked us through, uh, made intros at different large industrial customers, and, and this provided for a convincing amount of evidence that we should pivot.
0: Sounds great. And then, um, ident- I, besides identifying the right market, you also expanded to the U.S. Um, going international from a Swiss perspective, yeah. it can also be quite a challenge. How did you manage about opening an office in Israel, but also in the U.S. as you expanded to other
1: markets? So expanding is a necessity when you're in Switzerland, because Switzerland is is not exactly a large market for itself. Uh, So we've also always been very international in our uh, commercial outreach. So uh, we sell in Europe, we sell in in North America. Um, But there's a limit to what you can sell in North America without being there. Uh, This is very much a a solution business um, where you, you try to tailor an optimal solution with a client so there's a long collaborative phase with the clients to get to such a larger system sale Um, and this can only be done through proximity Uh, second of all the north american market is a a market where usually for instance americans like buying products from other americans Um, so the approach we took was to find people over there overseas who were already in the industry Um, whom we knew and trusted uh, and who were enthusiastic about this project and and who onboarded with the adventure earlier this year. Um, And uh, through their network, quickly assembled a small core team that now uh, helps us expand our presence on that continent. And how did you find these these people for the first core team?
0: Did you go through your own network? Did you get any support from investors, for example? Or did
1: you just look for suitable people on LinkedIn? How did you go about that? So, no, we actually went through our network. So uh, this was really, um, in a way, opportunity driven. We met the right people, the, the right Americans to start an American operation. I think that's important because... Um, uh, it can be challenging to send the whole Swiss team to the US to try and, and set up an operation there. You also need to, to play it with the people there. Uh, and so yes, we, we met the right people and made the move when, when the opportunity presented itself. And now we have a solid basis to then grow from, uh, through more conventional recruiting techniques, uh, as you mentioned. Right, and
0: what were the characteristics that you were looking for? You mentioned industry background was one important thing. Yes. Um, what were the others that you were looking for?
1: Well, it's very important to have a network because you, I mean, there's no point in going to the US with an empty address book and then trying to figure out who to call. Um, there are people there who already know who to call. Um, in a way, it's um, it's an entrepreneurial project within the entrepreneurial projects, uh, starting a new office like that. So um, people with the right stamina to pick up a challenge like that and, and who were already highly enthusiastic about the, the project and, and the possibilities it opens up for the industry. Mm-hmm.
0: Per, you already met swiss to Twelve uh, a while ago. And when you had the initial contact, you decided not to invest yet. But now you recently made an investment with the latest, the Series B funding round. What changed from your perspective that led to investment now, which probably didn't convince you at first? I spoke to Emil. What was it? Two thousand fifteen, maybe. Yeah. We had a,
2: a call, and and me myself, I come from this background a bit. I used to also design, partly these sort of waveguides and 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 microwave components and and RF and so on. So, so I have a sort of a natural interest in 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 this. So that's also why I took Emil's call, and and. Uh, uh, when we spoke, I was, you know, really impressed with the technology, what they do. It sounds maybe easy to 3D print um, microwave components, but it's it's a lot more than you think behind it to make it t- to work. Uh, but at the initial call, I, it felt more like a component business. Like you sold like maybe an antenna here, an antenna there. And, and I, I since I have a little bit of that background, I knew it would be difficult to scale. So from, from the commercial I didn't feel that the commercial opportunity really was there. Now, then we met up uh, in the beginning of this year. And and to me, it was clear, we have also encountered a lot of sort of uh, satellite um, uh, opportunities. There are big startups like OneWeb who raised like one and a half billion dollars. Uh, you probably hear on the news all the time that Amazon is gonna send up satellites. SpaceX is sat- sending up sa- satellites. You have. Uh, I think even Facebook talking about setting out s- satellites to, to cover the Earth, to make sure that everyone is connected. And thinking about that, and, and also the, the really disruptive technology that, that Swiss twelve has, uh, as, as I mentioned, I mean, it, when you send up a satellite, everything is like weight, size, and performance. And, and when it comes to weight... Swiss to 12, they, they can print these with thinner walls. They, they just cut back on the material much more than uh, the traditional method. So, so the, the whole structure is th- thinner and lighter. They also have design capabilities. It's not like they receive a designed uh, piece, which it is print. They, they take a bigger uh, responsibility by even designing the piece. And, and, and with their software and their sort of design experience, they can shrink the piece into a much smaller unit than you can if you just uh, use traditional methods so that makes it uh, lighter smaller and then also there the method of, of of the surface treatment and other things makes also the performance better so that means that going forward for the whole industry in my view there's no reason to to use anything but Swiss to 12, because we haven't really, we we did some research also looking around, are there any other companies doing the same thing? Because, you know, you think that, that should be the case maybe, but we haven't seen anyone who is on the same level and and have the same sort of advanced technologies as as Swiss to 12. And I think, so our bet is of course on the company that they can execute and have a good management and all these things that you can take care of in your diligence to look into that, This is going to be a a good, well-run company. But of course, our bet on the future is that this whole transformation of the satellite industry is going to happen. And we have good reasons to believe it's going to happen. It has not. We are just in the start of it. I think OneWeb has sent up six satellites out of 600. Mm -hmm. So... so, um, um, so the commercial opportunity, we believe, is, is really now. That's that's when to invest. And, and, and to add on to that, you know, the, the old geostationary uh, satellites, you send them up and they stay there for like 30 years. They, they just, you know, until they break down more or less. Uh, while on, on, the, on the low orbiting satellites, you send them up, let's say SpaceX send up 600, but 20% of these satellites fall down then. Uh, after three years so there's like a constant you need in order to keep your constellation up you need to constantly deploy new satellites which means that you have almost a repetitive business uh, delivering parts and and, and complete uh, payload uh, solutions in this industry so, so we really believe that, that there is a,
0: um, a a pretty nice market uh for Swiss to twelve in the future. So although it's not a, a traditional SaaS business, you get close to it with the setup that you just mentioned because e- there's repetitive revenue coming exactly. in. Exactly. So it's not like you just deliver one
2: piece like right. you did before to those geo satellites. You, you you if if you get into a, a constellation, you will probably supp- supply this uh, this operator with uh, with pieces and antennas and complete payloads. Uh, f- you know f- for the the whole. Um, endurance
0: of of the business. Now I'd like to focus again on the execution part Emil and usually when you execute such a big plan you also face some opposers and you work with big companies and big companies can be known as you know being a bit slow to cooperate with taking a lot of time but also having the spirit of taking things internally instead of buying them from the outside. How did you deal with these two things of you know it takes a long time to actually uh, get a, a contract approved and also on the other hand to convince them that they should actually buy from you and not build it on
1: their own you just have to be the best <laughs> it's but uh, it's a, it's said in a funny way but it's true so um the only way to convince a large company to really go with you is if you really have the best product if you're really focused on addressing their concerns and their needs and their real problems behind the the demand that they have and that you're excellent in delivering and executing upon uh, those projects. Um, As long as you deliver, as long as you innovate, as long as your products are of quality and you're of trust, you've removed a lot of the arguments why they should do it themselves, especially since there's also some IP barriers uh, to our technology that, that make it proprietary to ours. Um, and yeah, being highly collaborative and customer-centric has really been um, the motto here. And, um, and this has worked to get large accounts to collaborate with us and, and work with us commercially uh, now since many years. Uh, Of course, it's an industry that's extremely difficult to get into. Uh, You need to uh, get your technology working and then you need to qualify it to work in space. So you need to go through... um, a very large amount of tests and proofs that, that the product will survive up there in orbit. And then you need to convince your large accounts that, uh, that you can do it, that you're industrially capable of delivering, um, and that they're better off buying it from you rather than trying to develop it themselves. So there's a lot of hurdles, but in a way they're also protective. It means anyone else who wants to get into this business, well, good luck. They have a long to-do list in front of them uh, before they can, they can come and, and compete with us.
0: Is there any special recommendation that you can give how you manage this part in between, you know, the long time until you can actually show traction? Because you still have to pay salaries and you probably also had, you know, investors early on that wanted to see some progress. How do you deal with that? Because this is not a traditional software business where you can validate very quickly.
1: Well, you need to be good at executing. You need to have a clear view on what the plan is. Uh, be capable of communicating that. Be capable of getting, nonetheless, uh, materialized customer interest or, or commitments before that, uh, which is possible uh, what, if was you that do in it in, a, in, in in a smart way. Uh, for us, what helped a lot is the again the European Space Agency. They have multiple um, like development activities or. Um, sort of qualification activities that you can initiate with them that provide for funding that demonstrates revenue. Usually, these projects are, are only granted to you if you do them in collaboration with your longer-term commercial customer. So it's really an excellent way to show that something's happening and going in the right way. And then with that, you need to find the the early investors who believe in it and and uh, who are willing to take this risk. Um, and step into the adventure, which we were lucky to find in, in our early days. And recently, you also closed the Series B round,
0: $18.5 million. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. And there you have been an important part here uh, with Swiss Ventures. You also co-invested. And I would also like to uh, know a bit more about how you actually then collaborate with the startups that you invest in. Is there any specific role that you take? Like, for example, a board seat, as you have now at uh, swiss to Twelve? How does the collaboration between Swiss Ventures and the startup look like after you invest in? I think it it varies as much as the
2: companies we invest in vary. It's I think there is no sort of uh, what can I say um, uh, ready-made plan or one size fits all. So it, we try to be helpful where we can bring some value. Uh, Very often, you know, we invest in in, in very advanced technology businesses where we have sort of limited um, knowledge and, and of course, limited um, skills where we can help the company in in the core sort of product development. We try to... uh, I think a big, big focus for a VC, especially in some technology companies, is to push and make sure that they don't forget the commercial part of the business. Because um, many technology companies, they're in love with their technology. You know, they are very proud of what they're doing, and they think they are, you know, by far the best. And sometimes you fall in the trap, and you think that the technology is so good, so it sells. It can, you know, will sell itself. So um, very often. Uh, we try to encourage uh, to have a structured approach to sales and business development. And, and if we have some contacts in that space, we try to, of course, open doors. In, 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 in certain industries, we have more contacts than others, of course. Uh, and also when it comes to maybe recruiting certain type of uh, people in, 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 in this particular functions, we, we could try to help out. Um, but I think to, to follow up, commercially and and make sure that the company does not forget uh, about um, sort of the
0: structured approach to sales. I think that's one thing we we quite often uh, emphasize. I think uh, that sounds like a great sparring partner to have.
2: Well, yeah, or, or, you know, we can come across as nagging as well, you know, (laughs) you told us that you were supposed to sell this and you didn't, why is that and so on. But clearly, uh, we, we try to uh, keep keep the management's
0: uh, attention on these things. Mm-hmm. And now if the Series B closed, I'm sure you have some plans for the future, Emil. What yep. do you actually want to achieve with the funds that you just recently raised?
1: Well, they still have much to do. Uh, I mean, we, we need to get into every project of this industry and be the, the reference in terms of... Uh, providing these antenna systems for future satellites. So um, there are a number of things we want to focus on. One of them are these low-Earth orbit satellite constellations. So large projects involving a large number of these smaller satellites. Um, we're extremely well positioned on a number of those um, with um, actual production programs due to start next year. And this is something we need to prepare for. So there's uh, quite a bit of industrialization to do. Uh, in view of of being ready to deliver those, um, there's of course emphasis on the sales uh, capabilities of the company and uh, making sure we we can anchor a better presence at our customers and have more means to do so. Um, and there's the U.S. project, so there's there's plenty of business to do in the U.S. and, and opening an office is only the first part of the story. Now we need to uh, make that um, office blossom into. Uh, a larger and growing sales opportunity. So very exi- exciting times ahead for
0: both of you. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, for this interview today, and I wish you lots of success for Swiss Conventions, but of course also for Swiss to Twelve. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. We hope you liked the content. And if you did, please rate us on Apple Podcast. We would highly appreciate that. Next week, we'll already be back with a new episode, a Q&A session. Check out our social media channels for handing in your questions to the topic that we will discuss next week and get them answered by top experts out of our network. If you have a burning question, that's the time to ask it and get it answered from professionals. So we hope to see you again next week for an all new Sourcepreneur episode.